Blog Talk Radio. You know, every time I speak, I want the truth to come out. You know what I'm saying? Every time I speak, I want to shiver. You know, I don't want them to be like, they know what I'm going to say because it's polite. They know what I'm going to say. And even if I get in trouble, you know what I'm saying? That Ain't that what we're supposed to do? It's, I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. Your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, and welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We are the deterrent of intelligent radio as we ensure the free flow of opinions and push the envelope on the questions America's afraid to ask in the mainstream media. also have my amazing guest co-host, Latricia Ross. How are you doing this morning, Queen? Thank you for being in the saddle with me. We have a special guest on with us as well, but if you will say hello to the truth seekers very quickly. Let's see if I got a live. Okay, I'm ready to live. Sorry about that. Hey, Latrice, I got you live. Sorry about that. That's okay. I said good morning. I'm happy to be here. It's a little early for me, but I'll, you know, get my engine going as we go along. But I'm definitely happy to discuss the topic that we're going to discuss today. No, absolutely. I have a great show prepared, but we also have another amazing guest, first time to the show, Miss Malika Wells. Queen, thank you for being with us. This morning, if you will, say hello to the Truth Seekers, hello to Latrice, and if you will, uh, give the Truth Seekers a little bit of your background before we even tell them this morning's discussion question. Good morning, Latrice. Good morning, Montoya. Thanks for having me on this morning. I appreciate it. Good morning, Truth Seekers. Um, So my name is Malika Wells. I am a uh, wife, mother, wife of 20 years, mother of four children range in age from 14 to three years old. I'm in uh, couples ministry with my husband and have been for about seven years now. And by profession, I am a community engagement activist and organizer. I love it. And I think your background is perfect. It is a perfect um, somewhat, I would say, of a contrast, which we like to do with the Mental Dialogue Talk Show when, we are, when, when we're discussing things, we try to bring people with the different experiences so we can bring both perspectives. So I think it's a decent contrast with Latrice from the standpoint. Let me go ahead and 
let the cat out the bag. This morning's discussion question: Does the feminist movement help or hinder Black women? Latrice, I know you are a diversity um, expert, but if you will give a little bit of your background and reference to this conversation, so we can, you know, let people know we got kind of different perspectives going into this morning's. I think again, a dynamic discussion question: Does the feminist movement help or hinder Black women? Again, before we go, uh, as a co-host, if you will give your background as well. Sure. I'm a diversity um, professional. I am a person that's focused on equity for all people. But as a black woman, I, I am particularly focused on equity issues related to our experience in society. And so um, this topic is near and dear to me because there is a concept called intersectionality that I think a number of people don't understand um, that impacts us differently from other segments of the population. All right, thank you for that. So we'll go back to you, um, Malika. Um, am I saying it correct? I want to make sure I'm saying it right. I don't want to say it wrong to make sure I'm making sure I'm. Yeah, no, you're saying it right, Malika. Uh, just make it Malika. I got it. I got it. I got it. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, with that said, Queen, um, the first question that I typically ask any guest, and, and I'll run this back with you as well, Patrice, is when I ask you, tag, to say, hey, this is the show that I want you to do, and you understood the discussion question, can you recall? Your first thought, <laughs> other than, than the excitement to be on the Mental Dialogue talk show as a guest, that's, we know that was the first thought, right? So let's get past, right. the, past the excitement of being on the show. And what did you think next? Now, you know, that's, a look, that's just, you know, me sneaking in and saying, I know that was the thought. You know what I mean? Like, I know that was the thought. So we're we going to skip that one. <laughs> I, I think my first thought after that was, oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. So, so we caught on the Lord, saying, "All right, you've been invited. You're excited." Uh, and now, in reference to this question itself, what came next? Okay, so uh, of course, the next thing that comes is the answer because it was a question: Does the feminist movement help or hinder the black woman? Woman, um, I had to think about how do I feel about that. What's interesting is that Latrice's um, mentioned intersectionality and in some of the work that I've been doing recently in community has been very much around intersectionality and creating dialogues between people who might not usually speak or, or might not usually discuss, you know, the topics that we present. So my, my next reaction after the excitement of being on your program and after, you know, calling on the Lord for his help and assistance was. Oh, so um, I was right about the first thought. I'm glad to hear that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, was I, I felt that um, the feminist movement, um, it, it, it <laughs> from my personal experience, I haven't seen that it, it, whatever help we received as black men, women from th- that movement, I feel, has been incidental. I certainly don't think that we were the point of that. Um, so I think we get incidental benefits from it. Um, but I feel also that there have been some damaging components to that. Now, fair enough. All right, if you will, Latrice, what was your first thought on this morning's discussion question, if you will? Um, because I'm constantly doing research. Well, first of all, of course, I'm always excited to be on your show, although not necessarily excited about the time of day on the weekend, but um, <laughs> I had to really sit down and reflect on my thoughts about um, 
feminism because I'm not a feminist. I get accused of being a feminist, but I prescribe to the theory of womanism, which a lot of people um, misconstrue um, and believe that it's feminism. And some people call it black feminism, which it technically is. But I thought, let me evaluate and see where I, where I really stand on, um, on feminism. And, I, and I'm kind of where Malika is that um, we have benefited just by virtue of being born women, but were, was the intent to intentionally address our needs? No. Um, and we see time and time again when issues that relate specifically to black women arise, very few members, and definitely not those um, high-ranking members of the feminist movement, they're typically silent. And so um, when I thought about that, you know, I, my stance is not all in once on one side or the other. I have a varying perspective on that. So I'm looking forward to digging into that and unpacking it. No, that sounds good. We got about a minute. I want you to throw this out there because I think that is a word that comes up, um, womanism, um, if you will. I, I mean, we know in a sense um, coined by Alice Walker, I think, if I'm saying that correctly. But if you will, we got about a minute before break. We want to take a stab at uh, just giving a slight difference. I don't know how much we're going to talk about that on the show, but since you brought it up, I think it's fair for those who maybe, who again, who consider it the same thing or whatever the case may be. But if you will, Latrice, just kind of break it down before we go to our first break, and then we'll come back and get specifically into the topic out of the break. The feminist movement itself is all about gender equity, period. But because of the way the black family has been deconstructed, womanism, while vying for gender equity for black women, but doing so in the context of family structure, which the feminist movement doesn't necessarily take into context. And so that's why I was drawn to womanism because as you know, our community needs that solid family structure back in place, and the feminist movement doesn't take that into account. Now, thank you for that. I think that is definitely a backdrop for those who may have not heard that because, um, yes, in my research, um, I would even – I'll say a quick thought, and I'll go to break, that as a young man, I, I – in a sense, I would say I was a feminist until I learned the, the history of, the, of feminism. I'm like, whoa, this is detrimental because in 1969, the feminist quoted saying that the only way that a woman could, uh, in a sense, become equal, and I'm giving a pa- bad paraphrase of it, was the destruction of marriage. And that, I knew that was completely detrimental to our community. I'm not saying that every feminist believes that, but it's just it was a part of their mantra, and I think there's some historical context that hurts the black community specifically. And so womanism is a, a, a term that I came to understand. And, and again, I wouldn't consider myself a feminist anymore, but let's go to the first break. If you will, um, like a, just keep in mind when we do the breaks, we'll have a commercial, but we come out, there'll be cuts. So make sure you're paying attention to what you hear coming out of the uh, commercial because it will apply to this morning's discussion. Just wanted to keep that in mind. You're listening to the mental dialogue talk show. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Did you know that 53% of violent crimes against individuals occur between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m.? That's over half during the daylight hours. What would you do if someone threatens you with a weapon? Don't get caught unprepared. Call your personal safety experts, B-Champs, for their street smart training. 
If you're a business owner, did you know that businesses are losing over $36 billion annually because their employees are victimized by violence? And over 80% of the violence takes place in parking lots and garages. In many instances, the perpetrator could have easily been warded off with B-Champs Street Smart Training. So whether you're a small private group or a large business, B-Champs offers a personal safety program to fit your needs. Contact them directly at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. Or visit their website at b-champsllc.com. We say to girls, you can have ambition, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Because I am female, I am expected to aspire to marriage. I am expected to make my life choices, always keeping in mind that marriage is the most important. A marriage can be a source of joy and love and mutual support. But why do we teach girls to aspire to marriage and we don't teach boys the same? We raise girls to see each other as competitors, not for jobs or for accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. We teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings in the way that boys are. Feminists, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. You wake up, house up, Round round in it, laughing on it, the diamond, my diamond, the rock, my rock, I woke up like this. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host, Latrice Ross. Our special guest this morning is Malika Wells. Does the feminist movement help or hinder black women, as we heard I would say right now, specifically in the African-American community, two of the women who, in a sense, are out front or seemingly out front when it comes to the feminist movement in reference to um, black women, uh, one being um, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, which you heard on that cut on the Beyonce song, who sometimes people say Beyonce is, in a sense, that empowerment uh, sister who's, in a sense, leading the charge, but obviously some people um, also um, put a knock against her and say, well, hey, she's pushing this, but hey, she wouldn't got married to Jay-Z. So just some thoughts, again, just thrown out there for those two late ladies. Again, that's just a cut from the song, but I'll start with our guest again, um, if you would like to please speak to just again some of what you heard and how does it reference this morning's discussion question in your opinion? Well, I, I I hadn't been familiar with that, that song by um, Beyonce, and it's so interesting because my daughter and I were having a conversation about Beyonce in particular recently. Um, this was my, both girls, the 14-year-old and the 12-year-old, and, and um, we were saying that Beyonce is a phenomenal force. She's very talented and um, all of these kind of things, and I said, yet I would not choose her for you as a role model, what do you think? And um, so they each weighed in on what they thought about about those things in particular. I feel like um, 
feminism seems to assert a perspective that is that doesn't take into account every voice, even in the the body of women. So, um, what I the conclusion that I've drawn is, if I choose, if if you are fighting for my right to disregard marriage, if you are fighting for my right for equity, then also you are fighting for my right to choose marriage if I would like um, to love and be loved in a marriage relationship, um, to, to be in my home, uh, to not count my, my degree or multiple degrees as wasted if I choose and decide to, um, to spend my time raising my children and taking care of my home. So I feel like um, the feminist movement has a single side and doesn't encompass um, well the entirety of possibilities for women. Latrice? Let's see. Hello. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, you're coming through. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, you're coming through. Um, can you hear me? Okay, go ahead. Mm-hmm. When I think about Beyonce, I mean, she does a lot of her music is empowering, um, but she did get married. But I don't think I don't take that as there are some that say because she's married that she can't be a feminist. But I think um, that's where I that's where I disagree with feminism because for me, feminism is saying that when Latrice goes out into the workplace, and I have the same Latrice has the same skill as John, skills in education as John then Latrice, potentially doing the same work as John, should also get paid the same salary as John. That, um, that's where I view feminism, that I should have the right or it should be my right to be paid equitably, to walk out in society and be treated fairly, not treated differently because I have a vagina versus a penis. And so that's where I draw the difference. And that's why I don't say, that's why I say that I'm not a feminist, but I'm a womanist because I do believe that a woman, if they choose to be married, and I was married for almost 26 years, that that's their right. Um, And if they choose to be a stay-at-home wife and mom, again, that is their right. It should be about your right to choose to live your life as you decide to. So listening to both of you, that seems to be, uh, uh, like kind of like Malaka, like you said, you said it's kind of feminism seems to come come across as one sided, and so when we start to answer this question, does it benefit or hinder Black women? And I I, I know Latrice, you kind of alluded to, and I did as well when it comes to uh, the Black family specifically. And obviously, we all often you know one of our number one pillars is encouraging strong Black families. Then as a man, let me bring the man male misogynistic if you won't even use that view into this picture, um, that's where you get a lot of pushback specifically, I think, from you know, maybe men in general, but I'll say black men specifically, is it seems to do the very thing that like I just talked about. Because here's a perspective I have, and I would love to hear both of your uh, thoughts on it. It's, it's similar to what you said, but like it's this, it's this is in my looking at this view as a, as a man, as a male, what I feel like I – one of the in my I would say one of the biggest mistakes, in my opinion, when it comes to the feminist movement is what you spoke about, well, like the idea of if you choose to stay at home and how your degrees are looked at, and as a man, what I feel like I have come to learn again as I got older and moved away from 
because even when, even when let me say this real quick as a little context. When I was mentioning as a young man that I, in a sense, I felt that I may have been a feminist, it was just really about just because of how I saw women in general and girls in general in the sense that I didn't want to carry myself as a young, you know, as a young boy or whatever, in the sense that I was above or better and that kind of thing. Like whatever came with being a male, the male privilege that came with it or whatever as a young boy, at least that's how I looked at it. Um, but as I moved away from it and, and started to come to understand the concept of family, ultimately I have this concept where, kind of like I said, like what you said, but like where there is no higher honor, in my opinion, of being a mother and giving childbirth, whereas I think the feminist movement has started to place accomplishments above that. And when I say no higher honor, I'm not saying every woman should only do that, and that's what they should expire, uh, in, you know, aspire to. But I feel like the feminist movement has made that low on the t- totem pole in comparison to co- going out and encompassing things like men do. What I say to other kings, and, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, but like, a, but what I say to other kings quite often is, we have to measure ourselves by. T- by by the things and the accomplishments we do because we don't have the power to give birth the ultimate you know I mean if 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 I'm making sense like like we only have yeah. we only have things like that's kind of how I look at it we only have things so to come out and in a sense compete with us to to have accomplishments and things I actually because of how I see the, the giving of life you know, childbirth, I actually say you're lowering yourself just to compete. And I'm not saying don't compete with us. I'm just saying that there's no higher honor, and I think feminism has lowered that honor, in my opinion. I'm sorry for going on a, a kind of a monologue, but go ahead, Queen. No, you, you, you did, and it was worth saying it. First thing I want to say is the introduction of your, your thoughts was not misogynistic. I don't get that you hate women at all. So no misogynism, <laughs> I, I think, is going forward. Um, and also it's interesting that you, you make that point because I was, I met with a friend, um, for, um, uh, coffee yesterday morning and we were talking about a a similar issue about what men have to offer and these defining characteristics of being a man uh, versus being a woman. What, what I concerns me sometimes, particularly with the feminist movement, is this idea of striving. So in my, in my life, I accept my womanhood as it is. And I have accepted that I get to define that, even as the culture um, offers me lots of alternatives, right? I accept my womanism for what it is. I accept my breasts for what they are and what they're meant to do. I accept my reproductive system for what it is and what it's meant to do, my sexual, you know, um, organs and all of these things and love them and care for them and value them in such a way that the expectation is that others who would want to be in community with me would do the same. And I, I feel like, um, uh, and, and there are parts, right? So you have like, like any, movement there it could be radicalized so you have um you know radical feminists you have the extremists and all this kind of stuff in in this and then you have more balanced thinking about um what we were all talking about 
is this choice that women have to choose what they want to do. I do think it is an incredible gift to be able to give birth. I do think that women do not have to choose to do that. Um, And in the raising of our children, I don't have a separate expectation for my daughters from my sons. Um, So when in the the leading up to us getting back into our discussion where the, where the woman was saying that we're raising up our daughters to be pretty, we're raising up our daughters to go find a good husband and all that kind of thing. Well, that may have been what was done. Um, and then we need to talk about um, the inherent wrongness. Is, is it evil to, to do that? Um, or is there safety in that? We are moving from a system where it wasn't safe. And in some countries, it is still not safe for women to be unmarried. So you could have a threat from a man. If we're saying men are threats, you could have a threat from your husband or you could have a threat from someone who is not your husband. Or you could be in a marriage that is um, completely empowering with a, with a spouse that supports you and loves you and, and, and provides for you and welcomes your provision and your gifts and your creativity and your talents. And you are combining it with his to create something dynamic and establish a legacy that will live on far beyond you, um, possibly through your children. And if you don't have children, you know, through the people that you come into contact with and you benefit their lives. So there's, there's, I think there is something missing from um, what we have come to understand is feminine feminism and I think it's the balance that we are all talking about. Uh, excellent points. So we actually have a caller that wants to get in. Let's I'm gonna go to the caller and then we'll get to your your thoughts as well. If you're on the line, you have to press one to let us know you want to speak. If you're online, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one. You do have to press one to let us know you want to speak. Let's go to the caller. Area code 678, last three, 243. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good morning, Chang. Good morning, Queen. This is Jason Warner. I love the topic. Uh, One of the things I would say uh, to answer the question, I think that the actual definition of the movement hurts or, or hinders black women because when we look at it, when you ask for quote-unquote feminists to support issues that impact black women, a lot of times they're silent. When you looked at the women's march after the uh, president was elected, um, you had millions of women across the world marching. But that same weekend, we had a, a, a woman in Texas and her daughter were, were assaulted by a police officer, and no one came to her aid. They called the police, and this woman was slammed on the car, her daughter's arm bent back after a man struck her son, and she called the police for that, but she was arrested and slammed to the ground. Women weren't looking, the women in the feminist movement were not looking to support this black woman in their needs. When black women are raped, they're not going into these areas with, where this is going on to support black women. It, it tends to be, it tends, from a historical standpoint, it tends to be in a situation where these white women were tending not to have the support that they needed in their cause. So they said, let's go to the women that have so many challenges in society and add it to this 
the banter or the mantle of our cause, but we really are not here to support them when we need them. And they forget that intersectionality of all the needs of women um, across the spectrum. Well, Latrice, you're a diversity expert, so I'll let you respond to Jason first. Um, I, I, I said pretty much the same thing that Jason said when I opened that um, they aren't there when issues related specifically to black women arise. And so I'm in complete agreement with that. Um, with regard to the question before that, I've kind of forgotten what it was. Um, but um, well, he didn't necessarily ask a question. He just kind of laid out his thoughts. So unless I miss, unless you did, did I miss you, Jason? Did you ask a question or I don't? Yeah, I, I, just, I, can't, I, I Sorry, I came I came in late, so I, I'm sorry I didn't hear the opening. But I did. Okay. I'm just saying it. My comment was only to the fact that you know I think it it hinders because. It, it disenfranchises or it, it does not understand the, the plight of black women. And we, our women are tend to left to the back burner in this, this movement. Um, and if we're talking about supporting, we have to look at the intersectionality of all the needs of women and not just saying what benefits the quote unquote group that started this movement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Latrice, I was just asking you to, to respond just to Jason, if you will, initially, because oh, I wanted okay. Malika no, to in- respond as well. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Malika, any thoughts yeah. about what Jason had to say as well before we let him go? Oh, no, I, I I thought that that was a very complete thought, and I largely agree with what you said, Jason. Hey, I, I, King, I'm, I'm walking with our women. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I can't believe you didn't get no backlash, King. I'm, 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 I'm trying to make something up on you. If I wasn't up against the break, I'd have came back with a. <laughs> but no, nah, no, nah, thank you, King, for uh, now excellent thoughts. It's definitely something to think about. I think we've already solved the question for today, so I think we can cut the show off early with Jason's amazing three cents. But now, nah, thanks a lot, King, for for being a listener to the Mental Dialogue and a supporter of what we do. Thanks a lot, King. Appreciate you guys. We are up against the break, if you will. And, um, we're gonna we got another cut that's gonna take this thing in 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 another direction or what? Again, it's just furthering understanding this concept. It seems like right now we all kind of, to a certain extent, seem to be rocking in agreements. Um, but I want to hear some more words from again, um, Jimmy Monda. Excellent right? Jimmy Monda Ngozi Adichie. Um, she'll have some another cut from her. Um, as we heard her on the Beyonce cut, but this will be specifically from her. We're going to go to a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get into um, this cut, if you will. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Ephraim's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases, and for sales, his no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Ephraim Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922. Feminism's ultimate goal is to make itself redundant. 
So, so the hope is to get to a world where we no longer have to be liberal feminists because the world would be gender equal. And for that to happen, we need to have as many people on board as possible. And often my question is, what's the point? Is it about being part of this sort of special party that's exclusive and we can all get to be a little self-righteous about being better than other people? Or is it about changing the world? And if it is about changing the world, then how do we get there? So for example, I think there are many, many young people all over the world today who are labeling themselves feminist, thinking about gender, even becoming aware that gender is a problem because Beyonce had that song. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. You wake up, post up, round round in it, laughing on it. In, in the book, you, you say, and I'm just quoting, feminism and femininity are not mutually exclusive. When there was a controversy in the last few days about Emma Watson, the actor, posing in a pretty revealing outfit in Vanity Fair, was that feminism, do you think? Oh, yes, of course, because it was her choice and because she's a woman who is in a position to have a choice. There are women who might do that, but, but if it's coerced or if they're doing it from a place of no power, then it's questionable. But clearly, I mean, it, it's a choice that she's made. And, and for me, what's even more troubling is that idea. There's a kind of puritanical strain in certain um, ideas of what feminism is that, that I find very worrying because it means that women cannot be sexual beings. What this is really is about that a woman is either the slut or she's the serious person. And you have to choose. And I really quarrel with that. I really quarrel with that binary. Women have to be allowed to be many things. And so the idea that a woman has um, sort of posed in a way that's sexually provocative, it means she can't be taken seriously, I think is deeply misogynistic. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross, a special guest, Malika Wells, for this morning's discussion question. Does the feminist movement help or hinder black women? Again, as you heard another cut from Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, as she's speaking to, I think, an aspect uh, that, that definitely is a part of this discussion. And it, come, it brings to mind, is in my, for my, me, again, she referenced some other lady, I guess, that revealed herself in a real revealing way. But what comes to mind is the recent picture uh, by Serena Williams. It kind of came to mind as I heard that cut. Uh, the Latrice, you and I had a little back and forth, I think, maybe on social media about it. But I'll actually let you start, Queen, in reference to uh, what you heard um, Chimimanda say uh, in, in, in reference to this, this movement, if you will. Um. She said what, something that I said earlier about a woman's right to choose. I think I was talking about whether to be a wife and a mother or not. Um, and, and I think that it is a, a woman's right to choose. Um, many of our ideas and principles are, are based in patriarchal beliefs. And um, you know that I'm not a fan of patriarchy. So um, I agree with her assessment. I think that we are, from a purely biological, physi physiological perspective, we are, we are sexual beings. Um, there are some nuances based on our hormonal, hormonal secretions that are different from men. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all sexual beings. And, you know, patriarchy made a woman feel as if um, her sexuality should be repressed. And 
I understand the safety issues relate, you know, with regard, you and I have had that conversation and I've actually, you know, adjusted my beliefs to a certain degree. Um, but I believe as far as, you know, I thought about Serena's photo as well and, and I still stand by um, my belief on that. So um, I'm not a fan of patriarchy, but I think it's the right to choose. Okay, and I'll say my, my thoughts on Serena. I'm gonna let Melissa jump in before I give up my entire thoughts on Serena. But I, see, you know, maybe, maybe you see how I see it as some type of level of patriarchy. I don't, I don't necessarily see it that way. I, I worry. I think I mentioned on the post that I was concerned about, in a sense, how the black woman was being paraded in reference to the issue of the global concept of racism was kind of my concern. So I don't think I'm thinking patriarchal in my disagreement with her being presented that way, just to throw it out there. I know we're kind of maybe leaving the audience out on some of what we talked about in reference to Serena, but I definitely want to hear uh, Malika, um, I guess, Malika's thoughts on that. I don't know if you happen to see the Serena post, and it's not specifically about that. It, it's just what Chum and Munda said in reference to uh, a woman having the choice to present her sexuality. It just, it, it just reminded me of that particular cover because it was so recent. Um, any thoughts from you, Malika? What what is the cover of what happened? Tell me, I don't know about it. Okay, again, yeah, but it's really just about the concept of a woman, and I will, yeah, I will share. It. But basically, there was a recent um, cover. I forget which magazine it was, a very popular magazine, where um, Serena, the picture, <laughs> she was dressed in a dress, and it kind of showed the bo- slight back of her butt cheeks. And again, I didn't want to make it specifically about that picture. I just referenced it in reference to me hearing Jimmy Munda talk about the concept of how a woman is able to present herself um, sexually in comparison to maybe men or kind of just what I was, so I was really more concerned about the point of what Jimmy Munda said. It just made me think of the Serena picture, if that makes sense. So uh, any thoughts on that concept of how women are able or allowed or seen in the world in reference to presenting their sexuality is kind of the bigger question in my, in my opinion. Okay. So um, I think that, and, and, and Latrice, your point about uh, patriarchy was really um, intriguing to me and uh, the sexual oppression inherent in patriarchy um, and <laughs> oppression. So um, versus standards of, of keeping yourself. And we have those discussions. We have young children. I mean, we have to have those conversations about their sexuality, um, especially as they're getting older and and especially in light of the culture we live in where there is lots of access to different things um, and some of which we just uh, think that they should not be, you know, um, at their different ages. So I think that um, women have always had the right. So we've always had the right and, and we've always, people have always done what they wanted to do. And then there are always people who, who will oppose, and sometimes these are the governing and ruling systems of um, that have this the opposition to what people would like to do and the freedoms that people would like to participate in. But one of the things that that the the dictates that we have is everything is lawful, not everything is expedient. So I could do anything that I wanted to do, but that doesn't mean um, that I should. Um, do all of these things. So Emma Watson, I think that was the woman who was mentioned in there. Does she have the right mm-hmm. to do those things? Yes. Do I have the right to do those things? Yes. Does Latrice have the right to do those things? Yes. Should we do those things? Maybe, maybe not. 
So in my own life, should I? Would I? I would not. But will I tell another woman that she cannot? I will not. I will not tell her that she cannot. I also don't think that anyone else should tell her that she cannot. Um, what I, what the, the conversations that I want to have are about what are the alternatives and what is your why? So if you're, if you're going to um, display yourself nude or wear something racy, does your why get back at poking someone in the eye? And then why did you feel the need to do that? So if it wasn't your natural inclination to show yourself, but it was your inclination to spite someone, why was it important to do that? Um, so those are the kind of things. And, and when I talk with our daughters, my husband and I both, we talk about valuing yourself. We talk about their sexuality being precious and it's not something to just be given away. We do have an expectation for them to keep themselves. I don't mind saying that. Um, and, and in, in, in my faith belief, we believe it, that sexual, the, the right expression of that happens within marriage. And I understand that not everybody has that belief. And I also understand that everyone has the right to practice a different belief. Um, so my, I, and I hold these two things. This is, this is my intersectionality of being a woman of being a woman of faith, of being a mother, of being black, of being, you know, all of these different things. And I hold this tension um, in my belief, but it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm willing to, to give it up easily. So, Latrice, if you will, I love everything I just heard Malika say. So am I just again? I'm just challenging you, and we got to call it too. But I want to go ahead and get your response to this. So I love everything she just said, and me loving that. Am I being patriarchal in loving that? Because again, I my disagreement with Serena, for example, presenting her that way, is more related to a woman being a woman that powerful, being show, you know her body becoming the, the thing to show versus she doesn't need to do that. That, that, that. that is a concept that I have in reference to Serena in that particular coverage to bring some of that to the context because I like what I'm hearing Malika say. And, again, I'm not saying everybody has to be like me. I agree with Malika. People can choose that for their own. But I don't know that I'm being patriarchal in, in maybe explaining to my daughter, if I had one, how I don't see that picture as empowering. Any thoughts on that? And then we'll go to the caller. So, so in a sense, Malika and I didn't say anything different. We used different words, but she's not saying, she said it is, what I heard her say is that it is Serena's right to choose based on the outcomes or the expectations that she hoped to accomplish by posing on the cover of Vanity Fair in that particular pose. Now, what I hear you saying is that you feel that it was wrong. What I heard Malika say is it is based on her standards whether or not she would do that. So there's a difference in what you're saying and what I believe I'm hearing Malika say, because I'm saying the same thing that Malika is saying. And so that's your perspective. And yes, in a sense, it is somewhat patriarchal because you're, you're, you're questioning her right to choose to pose in a manner in which she felt she needed to. Okay. Let me throw this out real quick. So, and I don't know if you recall my thoughts on it because again, a big part of my concern, a big part of my concern in reference to that was not even directed at her personally, just from this standpoint, because I remember it was some type of fashion magazine. And so my concern with the, 
I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yes, I said it was Vanity Fair. Okay, Vanity Fair. So, yeah, fashion magazine. And so one of my biggest concerns has been the fashion industry and how it likes to display you know, it could be, it could be black men or you know, but in this situation, black women for all for all that that matters. And so, but so, if you remember, a lot of the things that I was pointing out was, it's no surprise to me that the fashion industry would have that type of influence of wanting to present a black woman that way. So I'm more concerned about you know, quote unquote, the powers that be and how they like to show our women. And so, if I were to tell my daughter I don't favor that picture, it's because of what I see as the bigger picture in reference to the the the, the level of respect that, unfortunately, because of the history of this world, the history of this country in particular, uh, of the level of respect that we expire to, we, we already have it, we're born with it, but again, the world doesn't necessarily recognize our blackness in that manner, and so what I saw was a a bigger issue in reference to the races, the racism, racist, race, the race um, part in it. So, so if you're, so I hope I'm explaining that. My concern is not about Serena's choice because I know that the influence quite often will be, oh, we'll present you this way. And so, yes, personally, she can make that choice, but I think there's advice that can be given to to be aware of how black women are presented, in my opinion. So I don't know if that changes anything for you, but that is my concern. If And if that's patriarchal, I'll accept that, but that's my concern. So uh, here's where I challenge that perspective, particularly where it relates to fashion, because it is only just in the recent years that black women have been able to garner the cover of those fashion magazines. And if you, review, if you go back and you look at the covers of Cosmopolitan and, and Vanity Fair and Marie Claire and all of these magazines, regardless of the gender, I mean, sorry, the race of the person, they have been revealing. Now, I think that what you're getting at is that how that pose of a black woman will be perceived in the minds of people that look at it versus how Emma Watson would be perceived in the minds of people who look at it. So we can't manage another person's perspective. But when you look at the covers of fashion magazines, years and years and years of covers, and I was, I was one as a child who hoarded them, um, you've seen white women, Asian women, Latina women who've been, pitched, been you know, shown on those magazines in very revealing poses. And it is only just in the recent years. I mean, it was big news. It's still big news when a black woman garners the cover of a major mainstream fashion magazine. But I do understand what you're saying, how those pictures will then be taken and perceived by racists. That makes sense. Well, we are up against the break, so I'm going to go to the break. We're going to come back out of the break with the caller. If you both will, pay attention to the cut, and we'll get into that as well, but we'll address whatever the caller wants to give us as far as their three cents. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. We'll be right back. All I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it, too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit, and what I like the most 
It's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still go with me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Okay, so the white feminism, it had absolutely nothing to do with us. It had everything to do with the white man not treating the white woman right. It had everything to do with the white woman not having the same equal rights as the white man. But the black man and black woman got their equal rights at the same time. So even though the white woman was telling the black woman that the black man had more rights and more privilege than them, in all actuality, the white woman had more privilege and more rights than both the black man and the black woman. It has been the biggest destruction of the black family and one of the most detrimental things that had ever happened to the black community, ever. And still today, black women are still hollering about equal rights. When the unemployment rate for black men is at 18%, black women are more likely to be hired by a job now than black men. Black women can get more student loans now than a black man. A black woman that can't provide for her child financially can get assistance. A black man that can't provide for his child financially is going to go to jail. So, sisters, I'm not sure what we're hollering about when it comes to equal rights because it seems the black man is the one that doesn't have equal rights. We have more privilege than him. And what corporations do these black men own to tell you you can't have equal pay? It's not the black man that you should be mad at, sisters. You got to look at it as a game of chess. Even though these white feminists say they hate their men, you got to know that they are still the mate of this white man. So they're going to protect that white king as they should in a game of chess. You should be protecting your black king. But see, they have infiltrated the black community by getting the black woman to turn her back on the black man. Welcome back to the Mr. Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest is Michael Wells. For this morning's discussion question, does the feminist movement help or hinder the black woman? As you heard a fiery cut from Sarah Lena, one of our former guests, in reference to her views on uh, feminism. But we do have a caller, so we're going to go to the caller, and, and we'll let y'all both get in on Sarah Lena's thoughts after the caller. Area code 704-LAST-3241. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion question. Good morning. This is Crystal calling from Charlotte, NC. I think I might have about five cents on this one, the feminist movement. Just so much. But, <laughs> where do you um, say you're calling from, Queen? I just missed it. I missed where you're calling Charlotte. Okay, how you doing, Queen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, hey, good. hey, spill it. We ready for it. Go ahead, give us, give us all, all your sense. Whatever you got in your pocket, give us all your all sense. Right. First, I'm gonna answer the question. I, I, I think it hinders. I think the feminist movement is is reckless. I think it's a contradiction within itself, and um, just kind of going back to what was spoken about before we went to break, where it it gives you the idea that you have sexual freedom and these choices. But really, if you look at it, it seems to be as if it's an encouragement of promiscuity. And then I kind of feel what you were saying, You, it sounds like you were speaking to the fact that as black women, we're going to always be sexually objectified. So while Serena might have thought that was a power move, 
it sounds like your concern was as black women, we're already sexually objectified. So how does that mm-hmm. pose, how does that bring Help. any change? Yeah, mm-hmm. how, what does that do as far as little young black girls who already want to be strippers and feel like the only thing that some of us can do is just, you know, it's just, it's still like a negative, it's a negative for a power woman to do something like that. I could see what you meant, but um, I don't know. Um, I also think that from my perspective, and I had a t-shirt made that said anti-feminism, but I think um, feminism is also me about one, Queen, promotion. Me one. No, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> the promotion and glorification of lesbianism. I, I think it, it's a thin line between what it's really saying that it does and what it really does. Because I don't really think it's about equality. Because it, it says that it wants women to be equal to men, but if you deal with feminism or feminists, they're not going to let a man be on the same level as them. So they really, if you're in a space or in a feminist society, I think a man would feel the oppression or feel subjugated versus inequality if it was really a feminist society. So I think the feminists really want to, I, I don't know, it's, it's I, I just don't think it's really what they're saying that it is. I, don't, I think it's really about replacing men. That's that's what I seem to see when I look no, at fair it. Enough thoughts. I'm going to say this one thing, and I want Latrice to respond to what she just heard, and I'm just going to make a quick reference to um, something that Sarah Lena mentioned in that cut. Um, but kind of, and this is me kind of summarizing what I think I'm hearing you uh, um, say. Uh, but your bad Cornell, when you say you don't think that's what the movement is after, again, these are obviously just my opinion, but yeah, Yvette Cornell, I heard her one time say how she sees that movement, if you're familiar with Yvette Cornell from Breaking Brown, but she says how she sees that movement is that it's basically white women that's mad about their cut of the, the, the power, their cut of the money. And so they don't really have concerns with bringing up women of color in reference to equal pay and things of that nature because the reality is kind of like Sarah Lena said, like the white woman makes more money than both of us, black men and black women for that matter, if you want you know, keep it in the context of, of black and white. The same thing for other races as well. You know, and, you know, Asians are doing better than whites for that matter, just to be clear. I don't want to make, but anyway, my point being, she says they're just mad about their cut. And so a lot of their arguments are, are, are particular in, in reference and keep status quo as far as racial equality in place, and they still don't have a concern about it, is her thoughts, in you know, to a certain extent. But Latrice, I know there's a lot been said, but I'm gonna let you respond to myself and the uh, caller as well. Okay, so as far as the rationale um, re- with regard to they're just upset because they're not getting their share, I actually agree with that. Um, I actually think that's why the majority of them opened up the feminist movement to black women because they needed more numbers to be heard. Mm -hmm. But when it boils down to, as my grandma would say, brass tacks, they're not there to help to assuage that, uh, help to make better that 38% wage gap between black women and white women. So I agree with that perspective. With regard to um, the other ideals um, that the caller mentioned, I I don't necessarily, I haven't seen necessarily that there, as Malika mentioned, there are extremes in anything. There are extremes in any movement. Um, we see white nationalists. We see Antifa. 
so we know that there are extremes in anything. So yes, there are members of the LGBTQ community that are a part of the feminist movement that are pushing their agenda, but that's a function of the brain. We want ourselves to survive and to excel. And so that's what's happening. But I don't think the feminist movement as a whole perpetuates that. Now it does not perpetuate marriage and family. And I find it ironic that Helen Gurley Brown and Gloria Steinem, who both made quotes about marriage and kids, were both married. So to me, I have a different time listening to someone who's saying, screw marriage, but yet you go home every night to your husband. So I do believe that it disparaged that, and it was in conflict with what they said. Their actions and their lifestyle were in conflict with what they said. But as far, I think we have to check our biases when it comes to the LGBT community. And even before, when I got into diversity work, I had to check my own, and I had to dig and do research in order to come up with an objective, unbiased perspective. And so I think a lot of times we hear things and say things that, perpetuate those biases that we have and may not be aware of. Um, I would like to throw this out there, and it'll be real quick, that I think sometimes that when a black woman states that she needs to take care of self, self-care, self-love, black men will say feminism, and I have a problem with that. Oh, yeah, that's not a thought that's ever crossed my mind, and I definitely have to respect that that's relative to, you know, in a sense, a circle, and so that may exist. So I, what you just said kind of blew my mind. I didn't know that some men, some men would do that. But I want to stay in the context, especially while we still have the caller of, of what, what we just talked about. And so one thing I'll say real quick, if I, if I can, when you mention that contradiction, you know, between the ladies you just mentioned, see, I think that very contradiction is I think we've been on agreement that maybe the, to a certain extent this movement is hindering black women, but I think it is that very contradiction that there are ideals that are, in a sense, being pushed on that some people, some people in our community are accepting, but it's that contradiction to me that proves that this movement is a hindrance in our relationships between the black man and the black woman. I want to hear one thought from the caller before I let her go, and we're about to get to the top of the hour as well. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you for calling in. I'll give you one last thought before we let you go. Well, I think it it hinders us because white women don't see themselves ever going to allow black women to be an equal to them. So I think that's going to be another issue that we'll always have if we're trying to get any fairness or get any I don't know, get a part of this feminist movement. White women, I don't think, see themselves as counterparts or equals to black women. We're going to always, I think that in line with what was stated about the original concept or inception of the feminist movement, it's about equality or a piece of the pie or trying to get a cut of the power from the white man, but it's not really about all women being equal to all men or white men. Now, thank you for listening. Thank you for your three cents. We definitely uh, appreciate it. We got about a minute before the um, top of the hour. Malika, thank you for being uh, being our special guest. So uh, you can give you can give a quick thought going into the break. Um, we definitely want to open it up up to you before we go to the top of the hour. We're going to go in a different direction once again with the cut. Go ahead, Queen. Well, I I, I definitely value what the what the caller said. One thing that I had been marinating on while I was um, listening to everyone is 
even with the fashion magazine. Like, I was scratching my head about, like, heels, um, high heel shoes and short dresses. Was that for me? Or are these fashions that are being introduced, are they a reflection of patriarchy? Are we dressing ourselves in ways that will make us feel um, attractive to men, you know, um, or, or are those heels for me to feel good about myself? Do I need heels to feel good about myself? Do I need this short dress to feel good about myself? Is the plunging neckline really for me? So when I think about my life and the things that I need to do, where does that find usefulness? What is that really for? So all of these things I think we're not thinking all the way through. So does, does this woman have the right to wear this stuff? Yes, but really look into the why. Why? You know what I mean? So is Man, that's a strong one. We at the top of the hour, but that's a strong one. That's a strong one. I'm like, Dang, I ain't even never thought of these questions, but no, nah, no, nah, absolutely, Queen. Nah, I love it, love it. We got some more callers getting in on the line. If you want to get in today, you need to give us a call at 646-787-1691. You will need to press 1 to let us know you want to speak. We're at the top of the hour. We'll be right back. But all I ask is that you think. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think move towards a fairer world, one where boys and girls have equal rights and opportunities. A new feminist manifesto by the award-winning Nigerian author Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie says that it starts by teaching our daughters that they matter just as much as boys do. Already a literary sensation since her novel Americana explored what it means to be black in America, she went viral with her TED talk on why we should all be feminists, which Beyonce famously included in her song Flawless and Dior printed on t-shirts last year. I started by talking to Chimamanda, who divides her time between Nigeria and the United States, about the new global reality brought on by Donald Trump's election. Welcome to the program, and thanks for joining us from New York. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this is a moment where all sectors of societies, including artists and writers and everybody, are, are sort of reacting and laying down their own markers to the political upheaval that we're seeing in the U.S. and all over the world. You have written a very big article for the New Yorker magazine basically saying, now is the time. What do you mean by that exactly in this context? Um, because I grew up in Nigeria, and having grown up there, political uncertainty is not unfamiliar to me. I grew up during the 1980s, and we had coups. And, but the U.S., I think, hasn't quite um, had to deal with the kind of political uncertainty that I think happened with the election of, of President Trump. And my essay was really about how it's now time for people to find new ways to talk about politics, to push back, to stand up for what is true and what is right. It's really not the time to make excuses or to hold on to this idea of optimism. It's time to maybe be a bit more realistic um, and also time to accept that difficulty is part of the reality of political life. And I want to move on to one of your most famous works, Americana, because you do live in the United States now, but you are Nigerian. You come from a black 
country, and yet you said you never experienced really what it meant to be black until you came to the United States. I think in some ways it's because everyone in Nigeria is black, and so we didn't really think actively of race as, as an identity marker. And when I went to the U.S., I suddenly realized that race was this um, identity that was thrust on me. But, but what's interesting, I think, about race is that it's not that I have dark skin, which I actually find quite glorious. <laughs> it is instead that having the skin comes with assumptions, that there are people who look at people who have skin like mine and make assumptions about their ability, about um, what they should and shouldn't do, and that's why it's a problem. Well, listen, you are right. It is glorious. So I second your comment just there. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bitter Dialogue Talk Show. Again, I am your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, special guest co-host Latrice Ross. Our special guest for this morning's discussion question, does the feminist movement help or hinder black women, is Malika, Malika Wells. We have a caller on the line. Before I go to the call, I definitely want to jump into um, this cut and partly why I played it, because as y'all both beautifully mentioned in the first hour, the concept of intersexuality, and so that cut although it ended up, in a sense, being um, Chimamanda, who is, in a sense, kind of out front in reference to her writing on feminism. Um, but it's two things that came to mind for me, and I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this and maybe anything that came to your mind in reference to that cut as, as well. But two things came to mind. It's not unlike the feminist movement, in a sense, since they started recruiting black women to, in a sense, have someone out front. And, again, I'm not saying they – hand selected her again she's quite intelligent in her own right and in reference to why she feels the way that she feels but it's not unlike the feminist movement in a sense to put a black woman out front but it still goes through the very various things that we were just talking about in the last hour and the other aspect of it i think we just have to talk about this with the politically un the politically political uncertainty that was mentioned in that cut a lot of this came to head, obviously, with the election of President Trump and I, and that same movement that somebody mentioned earlier in the show where um, that, that one sister, and it was one of the advertisements I used for this morning show, where they, that one sister went to the women's march that they had, uh, and she held up the sign that says, don't forget, 52% of white women still, in a sense, voted for Trump, which I know we were speaking to in the last um to a certain extent, some aspects of that in the last segment, uh, but I definitely thought we needed to bring it to the table because these issues are, in a sense, coming to the forefront now um, um, like never before. So, Latrice, I'll kind of start with you, um, come to you, Malika, and the caller will get to you um, after these thoughts. Okay. Um, as far as your thoughts about the feminist movement strategically selecting who they – place at the forefront of the movement? Of course they do. I don't think an organization as powerful as the feminist movement does anything without a strategy behind it. Because at this particular time, as more and more black people are becoming conscious and woke, as they like to say, they're beginning to realize that you're not, if you were really going after my well-being, then why am I making 38% less than you? white woman in the workplace? Why is it that black women by and large are, are die more so in childbirth than black women, than white women? So what, these, these disparities wouldn't exist 
and more and more black women are recognizing why they exist. And so I do agree that that was strategic. Um, as far as what she said from a political perspective, um, I think that we, our intersectionality really comes into play when it comes into this political, I won't call it an administration, I'm going to call it a regime, um, because not only are they, they attacking gender equity or equality, they're attacking civil rights. They're, they're removing um, measures that have been put in place to ensure to at least try to, at least at a, at a low level, level the playing field for, between black people and white people. And this regime is undoing all of that. And so they're not, they, they, I don't expect to see them stand at that place in intersectionality where black women reside with us. I don't expect that. Well, like any thoughts from you, Queen? Malaka, did we lose? Did we lose you? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Montoya. Um, I I was I don't have any thoughts on that particular um, what Latrice okay. was saying, but I but I did find it interesting um, that Chimamanda and we talked about Beyonce being married, but I also believe that Chimamanda is married. Did we say that? And um, also has a child. Um, so that was interesting to me to discover. No, that's fair enough. And let me let me, let me be fair to the feminists in this sense because I know how it probably has sounded thus far um, at this point in the show. I'll at least be fair in the sense that I definitely um, have met feminists who espouse these things that I, I think, again, I, that we do see as problematic per se. But plenty of them uh, do get married. So it's not that even, the, you know, even the ones who – to disparage marriage is not that plenty of feminists are not getting married in that sense. So I don't want to make it sound that way, even though historically, as I, as I mentioned the, the, the quote from 1969, when I, when I learned that quote, it made me go read more history. And that's when it became disturbing for me. But again, just to be fair to the feminists, I will say that plenty of them choose to get married. They're just, and then for those that are choosing to get married now, what I think I see is, you know, they're just, their big concern is whether what are the roles or what it, what that look like today, or what I hear sisters or queens specifically quite often say is this concept of partnership, uh, which I think is basically comes from some of the sentiments of this movement. Let's go to the caller. Area code eight six four last three two four four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's discussion. Uh, my name is. Uh... And I'm calling from South Carolina. And um, the discussion or the topic in which you guys are encompassing is a very important topic, especially when we're talking about in the today's dynamics of, of roles. And I think it's a, it's a thing where it has been okayed for mothers in the family to now opt out and do other things outside of being a mother. It's okay now for our black men to opt out of being fathers, so now it's okay for us to do and obligate ourselves to any other duty outside of being a father. And I think for us as black people, male or female, having this discussion, we out of all ethnic groups, out of all families, are the most torn in our communities. 
our black dollar is is basically worth nothing out of all people. You understand? So we would ask the question, why would it be important for our men to stand on guard and at their post as being strong, stand-up men and fathers, not only in the family but in the community? And why is it an important discussion for our women to be strong, stand-up mothers and also women in the family and also the community? Why? Because we have to set the standard for our children that are being raised by the dysfunctional uh, television. They're being raised by the songs that are on the radio. This is just a reality, okay? And we're talking about in the feminist movement, what I saw or what I'm seeing in critiquing this movement is a thing that allows the black woman to find a duty to find an obligation outside of her household. Now it's okay for me to say, if I were a black woman, for me to say, well, to hell with me being in there washing dishes, taking care of the motherly duties. I'm free. I'm liberated. I can be what the heck I want to be. I don't have to be uh, confined to wearing a dress. If I want to wear pants and I want to dress up and do what men do, I have the right to do that. Right? And not taking away anybody's liberty to do anything. But we want to ask ourselves, when we are doing things, what we are doing, is it is it going to be beneficial for ourselves, for our families and our communities? Or is it going to be something that takes away from all three of those? And in most cases, when our women are joining the, the quote-unquote white feminist movement, because they're in the feminist movement is not a way for our women to bathe and bask inside the, the the nature of mother. You understand? That would be great if we had more sisterhoods. I'm be all for that. But it's it's a it's a way where you're gonna have so much of a sisterhood where now that you forget that you are a mother. You forget that you are still a woman, you are a queen, to where it's like to hell with all those guys we are doing our own thing, and then that's when you wind up having this liking and loving for each other. And you forget that you were there in the sisterhood to be a better mother, to be a better sister, to be a better uh, woman in the face of your of, of your man. Because that's a that's an unbreaking uh, uh, coupling, man and woman. This is how we produce our families. This is how we produce our communities. Going to the same place in homosexual, and and I'm not shooting at anybody that's homosexual, but now we, in the face of having broken families, we will fight more for our ability to have these alternative lifestyles rather than fighting for our the, the strong parts, the things that are going to strengthen our black family. And again, like I said, our black back black family is at the lowest of all families. So I think this is a worthwhile discussion. But not like we're just only hitting the women. No, because our men have also opted out of their roles and leadership of the stuff that they should be doing to show the young black boys this is what it is in order to be a man. You must sustain and protect your black woman. You understand? And now, now you said a lot, brother. Let me let me let the let me let the ladies get in on because you said a lot, and um, I appreciate. 
all opinions. Appreciate what you're bringing to the table. Let's get some thoughts from um, both, you know, from my co-hosts as well as uh, my guests. And, and and I do like the fact that you that you alluded to, in a sense, a result is how men too are failing to play out their duty. And I do feel like it is a result along a, a part of the results of broken families over a cycle and period of time. But we'll start with our special guest, Malika. Any thoughts to what King um, Equina? Um, let me make sure I'm, let me say it right, but say, teach me how to say it. E That's I-Q-A-N-I-F. Equinif. Yes, sir. Equinif. 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 Sorry. Thanks for Yeah, I like to try to get it correct. Yes, sir. Nah, Equinif. There we go. Thank you, sir. But if you will, Malika, any thoughts about what this this king brought to the table this afternoon, I guess I'll say? Yeah. Brother, I appreciate your comments. And one of the things that I picked up on, and I heard I heard this desire for a balance, um, both from everybody, you know, from myself, from Latrice, from Montoya, and also from all of the, the callers, this desire for balance um, in our thinking. You, you asked the question, is it, is it beneficial? As we consider what we are able to do, we need to consider, do our actions benefit us, our homes, and our communities? And I think that that's something, that question needs to be a guiding question um, for the actions that we take, whether we're advocating for the rights of women um, or any other advocacy that we choose to do. But one of the things Latrice was, um, had mentioned earlier. Hey, also, let me do this. I'm sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. Well, I'm yeah. actually up against mm-hmm. my break. Um, Equality, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep you on just in case you, so I can try to get you a response from, from, you know, from you after the lady speak on it. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'll let you finish the thought coming out of the break. Um, Malika, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. No problem. Uh, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, where all I ask is that you think. Did you know that 53% of violent crimes against individuals occur between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m.? That's over half during the daylight hours. What would you do if someone threatens you with a weapon? Don't get caught unprepared. Call your personal safety experts, B-Champs, for their street smart training. If you're a business owner, did you know that businesses are losing over $36 billion annually because their employees are victimized by violence? And over 80% of the violence takes place in parking lots and garages. In many instances, the perpetrator could have easily been warded off with B-Champs Street Smart Training. So whether you are a small private group or a large business, B-Champs offers a personal safety program to fit your needs. Contact them directly at 770-643-1286. Again, that number is 770-643-1286. Or visit their website at d-champsllc.com. You don't think you will ever change and write books that incorporate white white lives into them substantially? I have done. Mm. In a substantial way. You can't understand how powerfully racist that question is, can you? Because you could never ask a white author, when are you going to write about black? Whether he did or not, or she did or not, mm. even the inquiry comes from a position of being in the center and being used to being in the center. And being used to being in the center. Mm. 
and saying, you know, is it ever possible that you will enter the mainstream? It's inconceivable that where I already am is the mainstream. Oh, no, I, that, that wasn't the implication of my question. I think you are very, very much in the mainstream. It's a question of the, the subject of your narrative, whether you want to alter the parameters of it, whether you see any, um, any benefit in doing that, or will you clearly see disadvantages in doing it from your own point of view? Artistic disadvantages. There are no pluses for me. Being an African-American writer is sort of like being a Russian writer who writes about Russia in Russian, for Russians. And the fact that it gets translated and read by other people is a benefit. It's a plus. But he's not obliged to ever consider writing about French people or Americans or anybody. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates, along with co-host Patricia Ross, our special guest this morning on Like a Wells, as we hear an amazing cut. We just lost Elder Tony Morrison this week. So um, so happened to come across that cut. Um, so much said when we talk about this intersexuality, and again, just to pay some tribute um, to, to, to the Elder. Um, it's only appropriate, just just fit, in my opinion, fit this morning's discussion. Um, um, but we could definitely get back to um, your, your response, uh, Malika, to our brother Iquanif. Um, but I definitely wanted to make sure we took the time to highlight um, that queen and 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 that um, loss to 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 our, to our community, if, if you will. Um, but if you will, Malika, if you can remember, you can kind of pick back up um, and. Teresa, I want you to try to respond to some of what you heard Iquani said, and we'll give him a response before we let him go. Go ahead, um, Malika, if you will. Go ahead. Thank you, Queen. Yes, and uh, thank you for sharing that quote from Toni Morrison. I really enjoyed hearing that. I mean, that piece from um, that interview. But um, going back to what I was saying, Latrice uh, had mentioned equality and equity. And um, getting back to our original question, does the feminist movement help or hinder black women? Um, the thought is that black black women have some equity needs that are not necessarily addressed by the feminist movement, um, and and so it, it leading me back to that conclusion that it's kind of you know um, impartial to the needs of black women. So you may benefit from some of what we're doing, but you know you may not. But you were not the point, which I think we discussed. Um, broadly while we were on, that black women really were not the point of the feminist movement. All right, Latrice, if you will, any thoughts to, uh, I still got King Aquini on the line, so any thoughts to what that King had to say? Yes, so I'm glad you went to Malika first. I appreciate (laughs) all perspectives. However, his comments, comments, were mired in patriarchy. Um, and I understand the, I understand the, uh, I guess the, the underside of what he was, what he was saying about taking care of our responsibilities, but we need to, we need to put the blame where it really belongs. And that's, that's an issue that I have with feminism. Every time I turn around, there's a, a black man saying, this is feminism's fault. This is feminism's fault. That's feminism's fault. The breakdown of the black family began with 
a housing act in the 40s. And that's when black women began to be moved into housing projects and their black men couldn't come. And they would even hire white men to come and spot check at night to ensure that the fathers were not in the household. As a result of that, black women had to begun to raise their kids, their families without the black men because human nature, you need companionship. So these men weren't allowed in the homes with their families. So they made other families. Um, and so black women began to raise their, their girls and love their boys. You're raising your girls to be strong and independent and you don't need a man. And not that they were trying to disparage black men, but they were trying to teach their girls how to survive when that black man doesn't show up for you. Now, fast forward, and we are now a part of this feminist movement, and we've had mom and grandmom and great-grandmom in our ear saying, you are strong and you're independent, and you got white feminists saying, don't get married, don't have kids. And there are some black women who take that to an extreme. But please, I don't need for any man to tell me that it's not okay for me to put on a pantsuit and walk outside my household. And I don't need for any man, most times when a woman gives birth to a child, those hormonal releases in our body, all we want to do is love on our babies, stay home with them, raise them, feed them, make sure they're okay. But because of the way our society is, the way that our world is, we have to say we have to suck it up after six weeks, put those babies, for many of us, put those babies in daycare and go out and get the bacon so that I can keep a roof over my child's head so I can keep food on their table, and clothes on their back. And even when you're married, for some households, with the cost of living being what it, what, what it is and with gentrification, in a lot of instances, it takes two incomes. So we need to put the blame on what happened to the black family where it belongs, and that's white supremacy, not necessarily feminism. Right, let me, let me now, jump in. I'm going to let Equani, I'm going to let him respond to, um, to both, both, both of you. Uh, let me throw this in as I'm listening to you, Latrice. Uh, now, I'll say okay. in, in hearing that King speak, I didn't hear him place blame. Again, I didn't, maybe in his, I'll let him speak for himself, but I'll just say I didn't hear him place blame. But the part that you just mentioned, the concept of, uh, you know, if you say within six weeks you have to get up and go get the bacon and, and it can happen even within a marriage, what I felt like I heard him say, and again, I'll let him speak for himself. It's similar to what I heard Malika saying from this standpoint. He was saying when you evaluate the benefit of doing it one way versus the other, which one benefits the community the greatest, the greatest, I felt like that's what I heard that King questioning on the perspective, and I didn't hear him place blame. I'm just, I heard him say when you look at what's going to be beneficial to the overall community because he kept referencing how our black families look right now in general, I heard him saying when you look at the way to do that, he's not certain. I heard him even say, it's okay if you want to go do that, but if you look at the benefit to the community, that's what I heard that King say. But I'll let you say it yourself, Kwani, but I, just, I wanted you to hear my perspective of what I heard you say in addition to, you know, maybe how... Right, So I, and I put, and that's, I connected the dots because today's discussion is feminism. Okay, so that's no how I. Okay, that's fine. But oh, fair enough, fair enough. Equine, uh, go ahead, King. You're still on the line. Go ahead. Oh, actually, I may have lost him. Okay, no, I actually got, I got to bring him live. Sorry about that. All right, King, you live. Go ahead. Okay, I'm. I'm sorry. As as we all are evaluating, speaking about 
uh, the feminist movement in which it came because, you know, my teachers, you know, told me that the feminist movement kind of acted in the same way as the, the, the homosexual movement did, the transgender movement did, right? It is something that pretended to be the friend of the civil rights movement, of getting more rights for us as black people, not for your sexual orientation. We're just talking about for your right to be a human, right? We do know that that a lot of these other agendas have gotten on the back of us fighting for our rights just to even be human. And then we have these other movements, as we saw in Black Lives Matter, where it wasn't long for us talking about Black Lives Matter before it was Trans Lives Matter, before it was Dogs Lives Matter, before it was all these other lives matter, but we still are behind the mark as black people. So when when, when I was attempting to critique feminism, it is in the manner in which you all are speaking about the subject, if, if it's good or if it's bad for us. I spoke about the potential good aspects of feminism, but it being lodged in the mind and the mental thinking of people like Margaret Singer, right? A lot of our women that may be black and participating in the feminist movement may know nothing about Margaret Singer and her, you know, uh, participation in abortion, right? And how this thing had to be promoted and marketed. Like I'm, you know, I need to do everything else besides giving birth. And if you are and have a womb, I would say you are, and you want to think that everything else is important besides giving birth. I think that's when we need to go back to the drawing board. I, as a man, being that I have a, a phallus, I want to think sticking my phallus everywhere else besides in the place that is going to help me replicate and and, and repeat the process of uh, uh, bringing people like me into. I think this is a worthwhile conversation, and some of our young girls, because looking at feminism, it is only a limb of white supremacy. So I'm with you, sister. I'm with you in saying that white supremacy is the bigger picture, but this is only just just one tactic of white supremacy. We do realize that I'm going to put feminism with those missionary um the missionaries would come in to basically survey before the military would come in, before the actual invaders. And this was before our presence hey, in America. Now, I appreciate your thoughts, King. We are up against the break, but I definitely wanted to give you a chance to respond. Um, if you keep listening, you'll hear maybe the Queens respond to some of what you had to say. But thank you, Kwani, uh, for being a listener. Um, thank you for supporting the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. All right, we'll be right back. We're listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But all I ask is that you think. If you're looking to purchase or sell a home in Atlanta's competitive real estate market, there's only one real estate agent we call on, Ephraim Abdullah. Not only is he honest and straightforward, but he has a proven, repeatable strategy that consistently gets his clients the homes they wanted versus their second or third choice. What's Elfram's secret? His virtual on-the-spot offer moves his clients to the front of the line for purchases and for sales. His no-nonsense approach gets your home sold and off the market. For a results-oriented real estate experience, contact Elfram Abdullah, a licensed agent powered by EXP Realty at 770-800-7922. Again, that number is 770-800-7922.
staying with this issue of feminism, femininity, does it matter how you've arrived at being a woman? I mean, for example, if you're a trans woman who grew up identifying as a man, who grew up enjoying the privileges of being a man, does that take away from becoming a woman? Are you any less of a real woman? So when people talk about, you know, are trans women women, my feeling is trans women are trans women. And I think if you've, been, if, if you've lived in the world as a man, with the privileges that the world accords to men, and then um, sort of change, switch gender, it, it's difficult for me to accept that then we can equate your experience with the experience of a woman who has lived from the beginning in the world as a woman and who has not been accorded those privileges that, that men are. I don't think it's a good thing to conflate everything into one. I don't think it's a good thing to talk about women's issues being exactly the same as the issues of trans women. What I'm saying is that gender is not biology. Gender is sociology. Welcome back to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Soccer Tea, along with special guest, guest co-host Latrice Ross. A special guest for this morning's discussion question, does the feminist movement help or hinder black women? Malaka Wells, thank both of you for being on so you can respond. I think I think the way the, the show has been going, every time a topic gets brought up, that's kind of where we're headed. So, uh, you know, y'all can respond to uh, Iquanif, again, I've let him go, or to the cut, if, if you will. But uh, Malaka, we'll start with you. Just any any thoughts on, in a sense, this can go a lot of places, and obviously this is this becomes a question within the movement when it comes to the LGBTQ community. Any thoughts for you, Queen? Um, about the feminist movement and the LGBTQ uh, community or, or transgender, what is the specific question? Oh, well, just kind of if, what you heard. Uh, so again, there was a, a cut with um, featuring um, Chimimanda um, Ngozi Adichie, she, and, and the, the lady asked her that question of, um, how does how does she look at as a you know she's obviously clearly a feminist but the question the lady asked her the question of um, how does she look at trans women uh, in a sense in a sense changing into you know being a man first and coming becoming a woman um, how do they factor into this movement I think personally I'll say I think it highlights um, some of the confusion that can come with some some of these issues and I I, I think it's only smart that we tackle that on this show as well. Uh, if if you will. So it's really just any thoughts about even that question being posed to her and her, and her response to it, just any thoughts on it, I guess I would say, versus me asking you a particular question. I thought that um, Chimmy Manda's response was, was really a good response. Well, I, I really, I got introduced with, to her through her TED Talk on um, the danger of a mm-hmm. single story, which I really liked. Um, I've never read any of her books. Um but but as far as transgender women, I spoke for the first time um, with someone outside of my household about that just recently. And I think that regarding womanhood, um, womanism, feminism, the transgendered woman sits outside of that. Um, so I think that that as a woman, I cannot effectively um, advocate for your your womanhood because I don't I don't identify with that womanhood I don't know what it what that is um, but I think when it comes in terms of the rights of humanity um, and your human rights and your 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 value 
your essentialness um, that that I can speak to and that I can can fight to protect and say that you should not be harmed and you should not feel in danger. But all of us have, uh, um, we are all suffering these, this vulnerability. We are all of us vulnerable in some type of way. Um, and so we all have to deal with that in different ways. But as far as being a transgendered woman, that is a, that is a new thing. That is a different thing. You are a different entity. That is something else. Latrice, any thoughts? Okay. Um, So, and I struggle simply because I'm still learning about the transgender population. Um, As a diversity professional, it's my responsibility to learn because that is considered to be a diversity demographic. And so having spoken with um, a transgendered man, a man who was, once a woman, but he's now a man and a transgendered woman who was once a man and now a woman. Um, and hearing the, the pain in their voice, um, if a person, to me, how they identify is how they identify. It's not whether I believe or my suppositions or my biases should come into the matter. I agree with Malika, they should be treated with respect as humans. And part of treating with respect is not the golden rule, but the platinum rule. You treat others as they desire to be treated. Um, I think that if it's a transgender woman, then she should get the rights that are afforded to women. Why wouldn't we? Um, What are you asking for? Um, Equal pay? the ability to to walk in society and not be harmed. So why wouldn't they get those same rights? I would like to clarify um, something that the speaker said um, about Margaret Sanger. There is this belief based on a half quote in the eugenics movement, and we discussed this when we talked about abortion, um, Mm -hmm. Montoya, that there is a Mm -hmm. lot of misinformation around Margaret Sanger, and I would encourage the caller to go and do some objective research about Margaret Sanger's true belief and not the media and social media's interpretation um, of her quote and to read the full document of what she wrote to get the full context and meaning of what she intended. Yeah, and if I could back you up again as a community of truth seekers, if I could even back up that last um, that last sentiment of yours, Latrice, um, having seen a, a great deal of that information from that very show that we're talking about when we did the show on abortion rights uh, that did come up and was discussed pretty intently, um, I do agree. Um, reading the full context, which can quite often happen if you get somebody's information out of context, you can have a perspective of what they mean. A lot of times you get the full context, um, and you will find uh, that the intent was very different than what you may have thought from the the inappropriate the inappropriate context where you know someone's using that to present an agenda. And and um, again, there is some definitely some history to support that that was not her sentiment whatsoever. And again, I'm pretty sure people were pretty. We know from that show, people were pretty adamant and disagreed, and that's fine too. Uh, but as I, but as again, as a truth seeker, the one thing that we do encourage, and it's not for you to agree with myself or even Latrice for that matter, but the one thing that we do encourage again for our listeners, 
look at all the information before making your decision. What we tend to do is use confirmation bias anytime that we're looking up information. If it agrees with what we've already been taught, then we run with it. A lot of times when you look at the entire context, then it, it will challenge the things that you believe. So I do want to put that out there, especially on something where we know people are very passionate about, you know, her intentions. And I agree with you, Latrice, in researching all the information, I will personally say I don't think that's her intent. Again, you don't have to listen. You don't have to agree with us. But I will challenge you to at least look at all the information because if you're disagreeing without looking at all the information, you don't know. So I will throw that out there just for the sake of, of, of that aspect. Again, that's just our approach to seeking the truth, if that makes sense. Um, so anyway, we've talked about a, a lot uh, this morning or whatever. And so um, one thing that I've been curious about, Malika, I don't know if you will be willing to bring us to the table, but in the very initial part of this morning's discussion, um, when you reference speaking to your teenage girls about Beyonce and, and, and how, you know, they see her and having that discussion. Uh, I'll, I'll, if, 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 you know, and you don't have to because it's your family. But I'm curious and, in a sense, you know, because they're obviously old enough to have an intelligent response, to, you know, with you. And so how did they see her or how do you think they see her after your discussion, uh, in, in a sense, if you will? Because I'm, I'm curious. I, 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 I definitely see how these type of conversations are necessary in our family. So uh, just if you will share, if you could share any of that, I, I would definitely appreciate hearing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share. And, and before I share on that, I just, one thing Latrice said about um, transgendered women being afforded, you know, any rights we would we would offer um, uh, to to women. Um, some of those rights that that women are looking at, I think, I, I think that we we would more be looking towards the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So all those rights listed under that Universal Declaration that we're all you know, um, if we're talking about equality and equal rights, then we should be looking at that for everyone because that encompasses humanity. Um, but I would love on a, on a different kind of, uh, in a different conversation to talk about equity and what that means for women in, in, in gender roles and all that kind of stuff. But as, as far as the conversation that I had with my daughters about Beyonce, saying that um, we, we all agreed that, um, she was beautiful, that she's talented, that she is um, business savvy, and that there are many things to be admired about her and um, what she's been able to accomplish through her persistence and her drive and also um, through, the, through the people that she has surrounded herself with to help her. Um, at the same time, when there's a, there's a lot of, and we, we were talking about this sexuality and um, black women being exploited sexually. Well, all women have been exploited to some to some to some degree sexually. All women are subject to sexual exploitation and sexual objectification. All women. Um, and and um, I, I think some people might say that's because of patriarchy and all these kind of things. But I think it's also too choices that we make you know, men in particular on how they perceive and value women um, and what this body is for and who it's meant to please. This body is meant to serve us. So a big part of Beyonce's um, performance art is um, the, the showing of her body. So 
does she have to wear, you know, um, um, outfits that um, fit her a certain way or show her breasts in a certain way or show her behind in a certain way? No. I mean, did she have to wear that because it afforded greater movement or all this kind of stuff? Did she have to learn how to dance in heels or could she have danced in, you know, um, her bare feet or could she have danced in the shoes that we all sometimes see the performance, I mean, the interpretive dancers dance in when we're going to see them um, uh, perform. So all of these things are in my mind as I'm looking at these things. I'm never taking away the right of Beyonce, of course, to perform in whatever she would like to perform in. Um, she gets to do that. But as I was discussing it with my daughters, we talk about those choices and understanding why you would be making those choices. So do I show more of my breasts because this is the expectation of my fans? Why do my fans have this expectation? Am I going to get paid more if I do this scene nude? Because I have a child who wants to be an actress. And one of the things that we counseled her uh, to do is, if you are going to do that, we are happy to support you. Don't find, don't be involved in anything that you would be ashamed for your father and I to come see you in, your grandmother come see you in. Don't put yourself in those situations and be smart and fight for the right for, for content that makes you feel good about your craft and your skills and your art. And don't be drawn into or feel like you need to conform to anybody else's expectations about your willingness to show your body and the ways that you show your body. Now, fair enough. Perfect time to wrap up. We'll get some breaks. So we'll go to this commercial break. Uh, we got Brother Pianchi on the line. And Latrice, definitely want to hear your thoughts to what Malika had to say in reference to her conversation with her daughters. Be right back listening to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show where all I ask is that you think. Hey, where did you get that hat and t-shirt? I like that. Oh, I got this at moneymotivation.com. It's fresh, right? Yes, and I love the message on it too. You are the hustle, huh? That's what the shirt says. I am the hustle. They embody the entrepreneurial spirit and what I like the most it's more than a brand. It's a lifestyle for those who want to put in the work and expect to have the final things in life. I also follow them on Instagram. Check this post out. If you believe money is the root of all evil, you're using it wrong? Or how about this one? Excuses made $0 an hour. I like those. What's their IG? At moneymotivation.co. But do they have any ladies gear? Yes, you're going to love the clothing line they got for the ladies. Matter of fact, Pull up their website, moneymotivation.com, and I'm going to get you a few things so we can both look like money. Everywhere I go, go. And everywhere I be, be. I don't even talk, talk. They still know it's me. Because I look like money. Smell like money. Talk like money. Even walk like money. My name is Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. I am the owner and facilitator of the Mental Dialogue Community Support Group focused on practical solutions and the collective thinking of the black community. We do that one of two ways, every third Friday, 7 p.m. at Urban Grind, or Saturday mornings, the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Contact us at mentaldialogue.com or on Facebook at Mental Dialogue. All I ask is that you think. Yes, if you have a product or a service you want to get out to the smartest audience in all of radio, please contact me through Facebook, Mental Dialogue page, inbox me, or the IG page, mental underscore 
dialogue or directly, 404-604-9477. I am appreciative of our current sponsors, B-Champs, EXP, Real Estate Agent, Ephraim Abdullah, as well as Money Motivation, longtime sponsor of the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. But you as the individual can support and ensure that returner, that the intelligent radio stays on the air at mentaldialogue.com. Go see how to become a supporter of this specific of this type of radio where, again, we explore all opinions and welcome them to the table so we can have discussions in which we learn from each other. Uh, Latrice, any thoughts um, in reference to the uh, lack of conversation with her daughters? And then we'll go to Brother Pianchi after, after you give, give your thoughts. I absolutely love that conversation with her daughter, and I've had conversations like that with my daughters. Um, I love the fact that you are telling them to make wise, wise choices based on their needs and their anticipated outcomes, but never to do anything and never be pressured into doing anything that makes you ashamed or makes, you know, that will make you ashamed or your parents ashamed of what you're doing. So I love that context. She wasn't laying down the law, you do this, do that, do that, don't do this. She's advising them on how to make choices. And I think a lot of sometimes with parenting, we lay down the law, but we don't teach our kids how to make wise decisions. Um, that's why I'm not a fan of corporal punishment. There's a there's a concept called positive discipline, and that's what I believe in because it, it teaches our kids how to make wise choices through um, critical thinking. And so I love, I have nothing, I, my hat off to you, Queen, for that discussion that you had with your daughters. I'm sorry, you. my, my to hair off to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, let's go to Brother Pianchi out of St. Louis on the line with us. All right, Brother Pianchi, give us your three cents this morning, King. What you got for us? Well, you know, the thing on the feminism, that that depends on the individual nowadays. And, you know, this uh, society that we're experiencing today is divided up amongst different ideologues. Uh, you make mention of these LBGTQ or however. You know, it's good to respect people nowadays, but you don't have to accept them. Uh, I wouldn't want my child to be taught by someone that's uh, that's a female today and last week they was a biological male. Now, I'm not saying something wrong with them. I'm just saying that I think I brother know Piyaki, about, If you child. will, Brother Piaki. Brother, yeah, yeah, if you will, Brother Piaki. I, I, I want to say in the context of this morning's discussion, and I, I and I brought up the LGBTQ to see how they're considered within the feminist movement. So I will ask that we, in a sense, if we will, well, that's what I was trying context. to hold. I was trying to okay, hold in. Okay, there. it just seems like yeah. Yeah, okay. My bad. It just seems no, like not, that we're going in another direction. I'm just direction. trying to hold in there. If that's part of the feminist movement, if, if that's what, like I said when I came on, uh, people have a choice to do whatever they, what they prefer to do if that's what they want to get involved in. Uh, then, too, you have those who don't want to uh, recognize that whatsoever. They have the right to expect it. I'm sorry, respect it. Uh, but you don't have to accept those things. Uh, same thing with your child. Uh, you don't want your child to be uh, taught in a certain environment. You don't want to be experienced. Now, once they get grown, do what they want to. But as long as they're a child, you should know as a parent what's best for them. Me, myself, I don't want my eyes in those environments. So hopefully well, I stay within is, your context. 
It's all good. It's all good. We always appreciate your three cents, Brother Fiaki. You are our number one caller, so we have no issue there. Uh, what I will say is if, if it got misconstrued that we were suggested that's a part of the feminist movement, uh, I will say that's unfair to the context of this morning's discussion. We were really just delving into the fact that that is one of the questions that comes about now that we have these different um, gender roles. Oh, I guess what I'm looking for, a different um, – Entities and making, that exist. So let me just, I just I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead because we're at the end of the show, King, and we got to get our final thoughts in. Okay. But I just wanted to say that I didn't, want, I think it, yeah, I didn't Beyonce, want it to be misconstrued. Yeah, I think Beyonce is doing what's best for her and her business. So thank you very much. Now, thanks a lot, King. I always appreciate your three cents. So let me say this um, in reference to uh, what y'all both were just talking about. And I wanted to hear y'all thoughts on it because um, in today's environment where, um, in a sense, I think the best point that was made in reference to sometimes when we see backlashes on any type of movement, um, as as y'all mentioned, the concept of any movement can be radicalized, right? And the reality of any movement being radicalized is quite often those that are most radical are the loudest, right? Mm -hmm. And so due to that, Quite often, the pushback that you see, and I'll say specifically in the the uh, black community as far as men, it's usually us responding to that loudest group. I know there have been times on the um, Mental Dialogue in the, um, IG page where I have shared uh, with other kings the concept that realize that although that radicalized group is loud, that is not the majority of our queens. I think I've been fortunate enough to have this conversation with, as y'all led off the show with, saying, hey, you, you personally are not feminist, um, but you know, but at the same time, there are concerns that you have as women, and both of y'all kind of decided that you don't see that that movement itself has helped black women, which is the, this morning's discussion. Um, but I'm, I'm giving this full context to say that often in these conversations, things that me as a man would like to say in reference to the very thing we were just talking about, how, for example, Malika speaks to her children about a Beyonce. At the end of the day, men feel this way, and I want to say it openly and just kind of have y'all respond to it, because at the end of the day, as much as we love a Beyonce showing herself that way, for the most part, very rarely do any of us necessarily want our daughters doing that in 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 the same manner and 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 i mean we do have a concept of you know if that's our daughter's industry and like a malika said you know if she's doing it on her own accord that is exactly how we could respect our daughters coming to that decision you know all these beautiful sisters that are doing these things have typically have fathers uh or, or whatever so the father has to accept it one way or another but Quite often, when these conversations are had, men are often silent because they feel like they're going to be attacked to say, hey, certain ways as a woman, if you show yourself, we're going to be willing to play with you, but we probably won't wife you. Like, that's a conversation that a lot of men feel like they can't say in today's environment when it comes to these conversations. So I'm trying to say it openly to hear thoughts. Whoever said, oh, wow, go ahead and jump. I think that might have been Malika. If there was, Queen, please 
Yeah, do I, I want to hear your thoughts because yeah, it has to come to the table because we won't say it. We just hold our tongue when these conversations happen because we think we're going to be attacked. No, no. I mean, and what you were saying is I, I thought we do need opportunities for more open, honest, you know, really transparent and deep conversations and um, the reserving judgment um, and allowing people to share what they're, what they're going with. But a lot of times people who are the, the loudest, you know, to declare their positions are also loud in not allowing other people to have mm-hmm. counter, you know, counter positions. We, we find this a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and I think there's something to that, and I think deeper conversations need to be had. In our house, we don't have a separate expectation for our sons. I have two sons and two daughters, and there is no separate expectation for our boys than there are for their sisters. So um, the 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 eight my nine year old son he's nine now oh my goodness so my nine year old son <laughs> is taking his position now in doing you know learning how to cook and learning safety around the stove and you know simple things you can make these eggs you know the girls were the leaders in doing the dishes but now that we're not concerned whether he's gonna break you know the glass and break the dish. He's taking his role in there as well. So there's no separate expectation. I, in the same way that I would not want my daughters to be, uh, to practice a promiscuous lifestyle because it makes them vulnerable in a lot of ways, neither would I want my sons to do that. And I'm not just thinking about them. I am thinking about somebody else's daughter, um, someone else's niece, you know, someone else's sister, because that's what's on the other side of 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 his actions, the actions that he'll take, and the same things with my daughters. I mean, there are we're, we don't if we're talking about equality of the sexes, then we know that women can practice a sexuality that is harmful to men. We know that, just in the same way that men can practice the sexual or exercise their sexuality in a way that is harmful to women. But I I would like to see, and I know mental dialogue. You know the 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 conversation you guys host is one such place to have these open dialogues. But I would love those things to be more prevalent in our in our communities so that these conversations can be had more often and with more folk. Um, Latrice, uh, any thoughts about what I had to say? Uh, again, that's just men quite often won't say those things. I I actually um, like separating the roles. I still stand by that. You know that about me or whatever, but a lot of men won't speak up in this conversation because they're going to be attacked. Uh, any thoughts on that? We are near the end of the show, but I want to get a quick final thought in reference to, you know, my thought there. Right. So I think that um, that's the right. And if they really want, I think they should speak up. I, I kind of understand your perspective and why you're saying they won't. But the flip side of that is they got, they have choices. A lot, you know, I'm single now, and a lot of men tell me, well, yeah, I was actually told don't get a Ph.D. because men won't, men won't marry you. Um, you shouldn't be so smart. You're too intelligent. You make a man feel dumb. So there are always a reason why someone won't wife you, and I have the air quotes going. That's fine. The person that's meant for me will find me and accept me and love me for who I am as I am. 
All right, Queen. Absolutely respect that. Brother Pianchi, I see you trying to get back in, but we only got about a minute for the break. I think this conversation has been quite robust, and so I definitely appreciate all of your thoughts. Um, like, uh, I know you are you're some relationship coach, and I don't know if there's any public information that you want to share, but if it is, please do it at this time so people can stay in contact with you. Um, you have been wonderful this morning. Go ahead, Queen. Thank you. Thank you both. Latrice, I very much enjoyed you um, uh, and hearing your perspective. Montoya, the same. Um, Andrew and I um, host Coupled in Christ, which is a, a we mentor married couples and couples who are wanting to be married and talk about all the or as many of the issues as, as we can about what that entails. We do that through one-on-one sessions, and we host um, uh, group sessions and workshops the most recent one being The Art of Forgiveness. Um, People can reach us on Facebook at Coupled in Christ, or they are welcome to email us at godlylove, the number three, at gmail.com. That's G-O-D-L-Y-L-O-V-E, the number three, at gmail.com. Thank you, Queen. Excellent. If you're in South Carolina, stand up. The Mental Dialogue Live experience tonight, 7 p.m. with Cooperate. Go to the Facebook page and see what we're doing. If you're in South Carolina, show up and show out. Thank y'all this morning, Queens. Both of y'all were excellent. We'll see y'all next Saturday. All I ask is that you think.